Welcome to The Short Game, a podcast where we talk about games that you can complete in an afternoon or maybe a weekend. I am Laura Nash, and with me is Reagan Kelly. How are you doing? I'm awesome. I'm really glad to be back with you guys. Um, it's been a little while since we recorded. Yeah, it's been a couple days. And Shane, how about you? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. And this week we're talking about volume. I've been really excited to talk about volume for a while. Um, for those few of you who've been listening to this show for a while, you probably heard our episode on Thomas Was Alone and know how completely bonkers I went over that game. I mean, uh, Mike Bithell, the designer of Volume, his previous game, and as far as I know, his only solo game as an indie developer uh, up to that point was Thomas Was Alone. And uh, I think that came out in 2012. And... It had a big impact. It you know, sold a zillion copies, and it, it was one of the first games that uh, that we did as a part of this show. Probably it was in the first like six or eight episodes or so, and uh, one of the ones that kind of inspired me to do this uh, to do this podcast. I can't tell you how much I love that game, and so I've been waiting since 2012 to see what Mike Bithell did next. Uh, and about a year and a half ago or so, I heard that his next project was going to be a stealth game called Volume, and uh, it came out about a week ago, and that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, so in Volume, you're playing as Loxley, and yes, that is a Robin Hood reference. Oh man, um, so full of Robin Hood references. Yeah. If anyone, if you've seen Men in Tights recently, um, you will catch every single thing. Uh, you don't have to actually know historical Robin Hood, don't worry. Um, but it's, when I loaded up the game, I was, I had seen promo pictures of the layouts, but I was shocked because it's this very 3D, polished, um, you know, kind of AAA looking interface when you log in, and Thomas's alone was rectangles. Yeah. So, so major visual change, very different aesthetic, um, and the mechanics and the balance of the game is very different as well. It's a lot more about uh, mechanics and level design. Um, Thomas's alone had pretty much pure narration through it, and this has you know, every five levels you get a drip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a game that focuses primarily on its gameplay. Um, yeah, graphics-wise, you're right. It's really, it's really different from Thomas was alone. I mean, uh, he's moved on from his you know very basic polygonal you know two D sprite uh, phase, and he's gone for something here that is very polished. But it also kind of has this weird throwback look to it. Um, it's a stealth game, so you're, you know, a little guy, uh, you're viewed from above or sort of slightly an isometric perspective, and you're running around a bunch of boxes. But here, uh, in the world of the game, we're playing through levels that are being volumetrically projected, and it's sort of a simulation of a stealth environment, you know, stealth uh, sneaking around environment. So all of the scenery of the game, all of the enemies, all of the architecture that we're sneaking around is this sort of glowing, weirdly low poly, I don't know, what do you call that look? I mean, if I had to relate it to anything, I'd say like you're robbing a white, a black and white version of The Sims, but there's also a color, <laughs> like you know, a blue and white version of The Sims. Like you got that kind of flat matte look applied to a lot of the textures um, mm -hmm. and that kind of lit from within a piece that is a mark of that era of gaming. Yeah, and it's 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 a little bit reminiscent of um, Tron or something like that. Yeah, a, kind of a PlayStation One kind of look, that low poly aesthetic. But here it's being done very deliberately. And one thing I think is really interesting about it is that it's clear that this low poly, glowing, sort of very video gamey looking uh, environment that you're in 
is itself a simulation, a, um, a projection. And, and what's really cool is if you look around the edges of your map, you know, the entire game is taking place in this volumetric projection sort of soundstage. And if you look past the edges of that map, you actually see very realistic looking warehouse walls complete with things like little railings and the projectors that are projecting the world that you're standing in and uh, like electrical cords and things like that. So it's clear that this is a heightened sort of weird uh, 3D projection within a real world. And also the main character, Rob, he's also very realistic. He's, uh, he's got quite detailed clothing and everything. Um, but he sort of blends in because he wears this sort of glowing mask that's projected also by the, by the projectors. Yeah. They play off of that a little bit in the story. They, uh, they, they are always kind of making reference back, especially at the start to things like Oh, and we're not going to bother simulating, uh, you know, each individual valuable that you're stealing. So we'll we'll just represent those as sort of uh, Pac-Man dot style little diamonds that hover in midair. My favorite is that um, at one point in the level, you in 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 a sort of a later level, you encounter a teleporter, and it teleports you from one place to another in the level, and uh, and the flavor text that it gives you at that moment is, uh, I I know I know teleporters. You're thinking they don't exist. Well, hear me out. You know what does exist? All sorts of things that would move you from one place to another in a room very complicatedly, like uh, elevators or ducts or whatever. But I don't want to bother simulating those. So, teleporters. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. And my favorite... Uh, effect is um, you mentioned the polygons, the triangle kind mm-hmm. of geometric look. Um, if you ever exit or restart or die, the walls explode out beautifully into their component parts. Suddenly you see, you know, kind of as if someone set a tiny bomb off, all the little triangles explode and then will knit back together. Yeah. It's, or even really when you just lovely. use your little whistle noise to kind of uh, draw guards in, it kind of seems to disrupt the walls around you. It, I would say actually, of all the things about this game, the thing that I think is the most polished is the look. It's an incredible, and they clearly spent a lot of time and energy really polishing the stealth mechanics and the gameplay as well, which we'll talk about in, in some detail. But the graphics are great. I think they look great. They do a lot with a little, you know, they're simple, they're basic, but they look really cool. And I never got tired of looking at the game. I thought it was cool. It's definitely stylish. Um, But you mentioned, you know, stealth. If you're not a stealth person, this game is not for you. Um, I'm a moderate stealth person. um, So I played the game probably slower than someone who is really into it would. Um, But I think, you know, did you like the parts where Link is wandering around trying to avoid the guards? in every Zelda game, <laughs> this is that exploded. It's a hundred levels of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if that's appealing to you, this is buy this game. Just stop listening to us and buy it right now. Yeah. If you're really into stealth, uh, this week, you're probably out buying the new metal gear solid. Uh, but <laughs> if you wish that the new metal gear solid was a whole lot more like the very first metal gear solid, uh, then maybe this is the game you should be playing this week. Uh, this is very, very much, in the vein of those kind of early stealth games. Yeah, I've heard it compared a lot to the Metal Gear Solid VR missions, which I remember playing in the distant, distant past so long ago that I don't really have a, um, you know, I I don't remember a whole lot about them, but this clearly is an echo of that sort of minimalistic um, stealth games stripped down to the point where they're essentially a puzzle game. Um, When I heard this was going to be 
a stealth game, I was very excited, and it turned out to be very different from what I was expecting, because I associate a stealth game with just sort of the visceral obsession that I have with stalking my prey, you know? Mm. The Assassin's Creed style. Yes, yeah, so that's my, that's the kind of stealth game that yeah, or I dishonored, think yeah. about. Yeah, so I was kind of taken aback by this game where the stealth is not a means to, you know, further uh, murders. It is, um, it is really, a, 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 you know, a means to get in, get out with the loot. And, you know, I've played some games that are like that before, but most of the time when I've played stealth games in the past, it's all about uh, just sort of assassination type, type stuff, which this is totally not. Yeah, this is very much about a heist sort of environment. Yeah, Reagan, Nate, and I played a very unsuccessful hour of Monaco. <laughs> Mostly because group stealth is not our strength. We, no. uh, if we were live streaming, you guys would all never listen to this podcast again. That was um, garbage. That was absolute. I was. I was. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was pretty atrocious. Um, yeah. So this is a little easier because there are checkpoints. And I played after the checkpoint update was in. So now there's a few different types of checkpoints. One is the one that Reagan and Shane presumably started with. You can run through the checkpoints, and even if you're shot and killed, you're fine. Yeah, that sounds like a really fine point, but it's actually a huge deal. And this was one of the biggest pieces of feedback that they got in the game's first week of release. And I think it's really kind of telling that it was, they're really paying a lot of attention to the mechanics here, they want it to be something that uh, is really mechanically solid and um, hopefully, I think they're trying to build a community around the sort of level building and sharing online mechanics. And so very quickly when the game came out, the clear thing that people complained about most in terms of the stealth mechanics in the reviews that I read um, was that checkpointing system. And to kind of explain how that is a problem, um, if let's say for example that you're standing at one end of a room, there's a guard, and at the far end of the room, there's a checkpoint. And the intent is for you to sneak past the guard and get to the checkpoint. But if you are able to time it right, you can just run past the guard, he would see you, you trip through the checkpoint, and immediately get shot. But when you hit that checkpoint, as soon, the next time you die, all of the guards reset their positions, which means that essentially you've just teleported. I run across the room, hit the checkpoint, die, reset at that checkpoint, and the guard, it's as if he never saw me there at all. And it really made a lot of the levels, like a, a really large number of the levels, kind of easy to cheese. Um, it would kind of just float your way through them. And if you didn't want to play that way, you didn't have to, but... I was actually trying very hard to play just for stealth, and there were a number of times where I accidentally did that. Like, I was like, damn, I'm dying, and then I would hit the checkpoint, and then it would reset, and I was like, wait, I want to go back and actually do that stealth. I don't want to yeah, skip this whole Yeah, I wonder how that level. was actually meant to be played. Yeah. Yeah, the early reviewers said, you know, five to six, some people were saying five to six hours to complete because they did a lot of the cheating, and I was definitely not cheating from day one, and I was huh. like, I have no idea how you would possibly do this in five to six hours on a first try. I, I completed but, the game in probably about six hours, which is, um, and that's not, I didn't do a whole lot of that. I was very careful not to where I could. 
Um, they have patched that just if you're listening at the time that this episode is being recorded, which I mean, that's impossible. We haven't released it yet. How are you doing that? Get off my computer. But, um, if you're listening right now, uh, there, that, that patch hasn't hit, hit the PlayStation four yet, which is where I played the game. Uh, you, you both played it on, uh, on steam and that patch is already out. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty great because now I can see that the um, checkpoint version is going to still be there for speedrunners, mm-hmm. and the they definitely are encouraging live plays and speedrunning. And you know, the clock is running the whole time you're doing this. The leaderboard's up. I, I see this being a speedrunner's paradise. Um, but you also can play that lockdown mode that I played, or you mm-hmm. can even play no checkpoints. Yeah, and that new quote-unquote lockdown mode, uh, which is the fixed version of the checkpointing system, is the new default. So if you pick up the game now, you're probably going to see it play like that unless you choose otherwise, which I think is the right choice. It seems mm-hmm. it seems like a little cheap to allow that sort of checkpoint skipping. And I, I think that's a good example of where the, the, it seems like they're really putting a lot of effort and time into making sure that the stealth mechanics of this game are stripped down, really simple, but also really, really solid, really effective, uh, you know, sort of stealth gameplay. And it works. It's a arcade style stealth game with a gameplay loop that is really, I I thought the levels were exactly the right length. Most of them, you know, they are peppered with little challenges. No two levels are really exactly alike. There's a bunch of gadgets in each level that uh, that let you play with the sort of mechanics a little bit. So um, there's a ton of them, but uh, you know, a few of ex- a few examples. They're all typical things, the kind of things you would expect to find in a stealth game like this. There's uh, a thing that you shoot that makes noise that bounces off of other things. There's a thing that you shoot and then waits to make noise until you trigger it. Um, there's a thing that you shoot into a wall and then guards will stare at it for a certain amount of time, distracting them. And they've all got names like figment or oddity. Yeah. Um, that's actually something I thought was kind of, uh, again, the simplified, uh, simulation kind of goofing on the, the idea of the fact that all this is a little, you know, hyper simplified, uh, the idea of, of something like the oddity. Oh, it's a thing that's just super interesting to the guards. What is it? Oh, it's a glowing dot, but it's super interesting to the guards. Yeah. And in the world that they would be simulating here, who knows what that would be? Uh, you know, something out of place. You leave a glove on the mantelpiece or something. But here, it doesn't matter. It's the oddity. And it is sort of interesting the way they, they play that off. Some of them are a little more um, abstract or even impossible, like figment, which is a sort of thing that runs away from you that looks just like you, and the guards will follow it instead of you. Um, or cloak, a thing that makes you literally invisible. Um, I think it was called cloak anyway. Anyway, it's, uh, the, uh, the gadgets are well chosen, but none of them are particularly surprising. They're all the sort of thing that if you sat down with a pencil and paper and thought for 25 minutes about what sort of gadgets would you put into a stealth game, I think you'd come up with everything on this list. But notably no guns. So this game is anti-violence. You're not ever going to take out a guard. Well, I would say there is a stun gun until the end. And that's, that's one of my big complaints in terms of mechanics, like stealth mechanics was that every level that had the blackjack in it, the blackjack is essentially a stun gun. Um, You point and shoot it at a guard and then he's knocked out for a certain number of seconds. Every level with the blackjack, I thought ended up focused entirely on shooting mechanics with the, with the blackjack. And I, I think they probably could have done without it. I think that the, the levels without that tool were better than the ones with it. 
Well, there are 100 levels, so these are actually really nicely paced out. Um, in addition to gadgets, there's extra mechanics of, you know, there's these devilish dogs that just have a huge scoping range. Oh, the dogs are every- really annoying. <laughs> the dogs are really annoying. Um, you'll hate dogs temporarily after this game. There's things like the floor plates. Yeah, you can jump in, you know, hide in closets, hide under the floor. We say that the levels are simply designed. You know, you'll see the same lamp and couch everywhere. Mm-hmm. But you'll also see things like doors, floor plates, a little bit new environmental factors that are more fun. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of lends itself to this idea that we're playing through these VR simulations. And you kind of buy that all of these places have similar architecture because they are just sort of these very simplistic polygonal projections. Although there are some, they do have take, take some moments to have fun with that. Uh, in some of the later levels, they have some really detailed, uh, very lovingly crafted, low-poly dinosaur skeletons and things like that when you are in, quote-unquote, museums. And um, those sorts of things stick out like a sore thumb because all we've been doing is, you know, every every uh, environment we've been going through from the jewelry store to the office building to the, you know, bank all look sort of the same. And then suddenly there's these really dramatic things like dinosaur skeletons. There's nothing in any of these levels that stands out as a really innovative addition to the stealth genre. Um, but it's a very serviceable, very competent and fun simple arcadey gameplay loop of a, of a stealth game. Like it, it, you will jump into these and play each level very quickly. Each one, no, none of them take an enormous amount of time to solve. They're all fun to play. So I'd say stealth wise, it's, it's a, you know, I, I give it a definite thumbs up. It's a fun game. Yeah. And I will say that the alarm kind of, it sounds when you trigger a guard is authentically alarming. Oh. Nate was saying that he a couple times actually jumped because he didn't realize he had mm-hmm. triggered a guard. Everything kind of went, you know, red for a second and this operatic voice sings to you. You, I heard it a lot because I wasn't great at the game, um, but it was always a little bit disturbing. The sound is pretty good, but I wouldn't say it's a strong point. And actually, the thing that you were mentioning there was probably my biggest complaint about the sound. The noise that it makes when you're caught by a guard, something that will happen a whole lot. In some levels, it'll happen again and again and again. It's so so loud. Like, I'd be playing the game with the volume set just high enough to be able to hear the characters talking to each other. And then the noise from the guard thing would hit and I'd be like, ow, damn, that was really loud. And I even played with the the volume settings and had a hard time with it. Um, I couldn't figure out a way, like, I think it was part of the dialogue or sound effects volume and not part of the music volume. And so I couldn't change it independently. And that sound just drove me insane. It wants you to be shocked. Yeah, it worked, but it works, but yeah, I, I just wished I could have muted that one sound. It was just too annoying. I was like, I get it. I get it. I failed. I'm going to reset to the play. The you last. Uh, yeah, you got I wanted me. that okay, animation to be much faster because there's times when, you know, you're not shot yet. You've gotten <laughs> caught. You're going to die and you just sit there for 15 seconds staring at the screen. Yeah, I did appreciate that you could reset on your own so you can hold the triangle button on the PS4 gamepad. I don't know what it is on the on the computer. Oh. The R key. And uh, and reset the level immediately to your last checkpoint. Um, Didn't which, know that. 
Ah, well, it would have saved you a lot of time. Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, whenever things weren't going my way, I would reset it rather than hear that noise <laughs> if I if I could avoid it. So we've talked about the game as game. We've talked about the gameplay and the look of the game, which I think are big successes. Um, you know, it's not hugely innovative, but the gameplay is definitely fun. And I'd say that graphics-wise, it looks really cool. Um, what I was really looking forward to when I found out that this was a Mike Bithell game was the story, the writing, the humor. Um, Thomas Was Alone hit all of those out of the park. It was a game that was incredibly funny, incredibly almost moving it it was really successful at all of that and then this game i have to say didn't knock me out with that sort of thing it's it's funny at times um but the dialogue is much sparser than thomas was alone there's much much less of it and i'd say that the setting and the storytelling um were less compelling. The characters were a little less interesting. Well, you start off with the fact that you're in a simulation of a heist and not in an actual heist. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they, you know, they play with that a little bit more later on. They do they do raise the stakes. But, uh, you know, from the very beginning, we're in a simulation and not an actual situation. This actually, something that really surprised me, and I don't know if this will be considered a spoiler, because, but you find it out fairly soon if you're a close observer. Um, this game seems to take place in the same world or continuity as Thomas was alone. The Bithelverse, I guess. We, I, I'm going to coin a phrase. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> the Bithelverse. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's in a England just after or a few decades after the emergence of AIs. Um, so, you know, the the story of Thomas Was Alone, uh, we find very early on, is the story of um, artificially intelligent software um, sort of escaping from sort of the prison of its computer system that it's confined to and and getting out onto the wider internet. And we get these hints it, through, the, through the gameplay and through some of the story that what we're seeing is this really important emergence of AI onto this global stage. And uh, there's even hints that, you know, AI gets citizenship and, and things like that. So it's really, really interesting. And here we're seeing a world that's after that's happened. And yet we don't see nearly enough about that. Like I really wanted to, let's point the camera at the AIs, like what's happening with that. Um, but what we're seeing is actually something a little more specific. Well, the AI, the one AI that we see is basically Microsoft Clippy. Yeah, uh, Clippy for the military training uh, setup, like very weird. And a nicer tone of voice than Clippy. It looks like you're trying to uh, sneak into. Lovely picture frame, so nicely placed, almost like I was trying to direct your eye in some way. I've been reading some turn of the century game design theory books. You know, <laughs> it's pretty, you know, it's charming and a little silly and... Um, he does say that his agency is taken away, which is sad. Um, on a side note, I was trying to think of any major dystopias outside of U.S. and England. This is an, a British dystopia. And like 90% of dystopias are in one of those two countries in my head. 
I mean, District 9 is not, but most things, you know, this is a UK dystopia. Yep. If you've watched Doctor Who, the country is been taken over oh yeah Again. yeah this could easily be a doctor who future and uh the the country has been taken over by guy gisborne which is a name i wasn't familiar with but it's also a uh it's also a reference to uh to robin hood and uh and guy gisborne was a weapons manufacturer in the years after this ai awakening and essentially he's seized power and he essentially runs the UK government, and he uh, he has divided the the country into three estates, as they put it in the game. Um, and they are they are creepily sort of Orwellianly called those who think, those who protect, and those who feed. And it's basically economic classes. And those who think are at the top. Those who protect are sort of the enforcers who keep down the citizenry and then the 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 lower masses the large majority of of uh, britons are those who feed um who are you know probably farming or whatever and uh, loxley is from those who protect he's one of these sort of theoretically middle class um kids who's rebelling against his place in this establishment and is trying to overthrow Gisborne or at least sort of prompt a revolution against Gisborne. And his way of doing that is by doing this stealth missions that we're playing out in the game. Um, he is using Twitch for revolution. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's very, I think it's actually pretty explicitly, essentially a, a a reference to sort of Twitch streaming and YouTube culture. In fact, the guy who plays uh, Loxley is Charlie McDonnell, who's a, a, pr a really prominent YouTuber. I wasn't really fa familiar with him until looking uh, at this game, but uh, he does a very popular vlog, if that's still a word, on YouTube. And um, he has a great accent, but I have to say that he doesn't measure up to the talent of Danny Wallace as the AI or, um, oh geez, what's the other guy's name? He's Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or Gollum or, or Andy Serkis, uh, as Guy Gisborne. I thought it was really great. They were able to get Gollum into this. Uh, I, I guess they must've recorded this before the, um, the, the volcano scene. Yeah, that's true. God rest his soul. Yeah. Poor, mm -hmm. poor guy. So uh, it's uh, it's very clearly like a, a riff on that sort of internet culture, internet fame. Um, he's trying to inspire people to rise up against Gisborne and this establishment by simulating all these heists, breaking into these uh, you know secure Gisborne uh, buildings, and showing people how to do that, uh, but not actually doing it. And um, that becomes sort of a key theme uh, later in the game is, you know, he's he's inspiring others to do these very dangerous things, but not doing these dangerous things himself. And is that morally right? Um, you know, it, it, it plays a lot on these themes of economic inequality and injustice, uh, internet celebrity, uh, online activism versus sort of like real world activism. It's clearly laying this stuff on thick. But I don't really think that that aspect of this game works. Like, the story isn't strong enough. The dialogue isn't... The dialogue is amusing, but it's just not good enough. The characters aren't strong enough to make me really care about these themes. And then, ultimately, I feel like the game brings this stuff up and has nothing real to say about it. Like, its, it's message is, oh, hey, economic inequality is bad. Injustice is bad. 
Um, YouTubers are interesting, but what do we do with any of that? It just doesn't really, it doesn't land any punches, you know? I think we all had really inflated story expectations for this game. Knowing that Thomas was alone made us care so much about rectangles. People spent <laughs> $40 to get like wood replicas of a tiny wood block. I know because they buy. really cared about that tiny red block. Like, yeah, that tiny red, that tiny block, which you could just buy in a children's playset. You know, this is the Thomas was alone one. It has a personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, these characters, they have so much more space, you know, so much more time, so much more space, but it is very light. I mean, the, I kept, I actually just decided I didn't care about my times on levels because mm-hmm. when they had dialogue, if I was actually trying to beat the level, I wouldn't be listening. And so I would kind of stop at the beginning of the level. I would hear the monologue. Yeah, there was definitely a kind of a tension there where it's like, oh, do, am I going to actually try and... Uh, listen to this and if so am I just going to watch my countdown clock to sort of drip all these seconds off uh, and then maybe restart Uh, or if you were trying to play through um, the level while simultaneously um, while simultaneously listening to the characters talk back and forth every time you you walk in front of a guard or something it's going to restart the that chunk of the conversation and really kind of disturb things. So it, it didn't have the same kind of flow that uh, that you'd have in, in other games where the narrative and the gameplay were kind of nicely blended together, which is a shame because it felt like that was something it was really aiming for. Yeah, if it was just an arcade style, like, you know, button masher, you'd be able to listen to that higher level dialogue and hit the buttons. But since it's actually required some puzzle like I was using the same part of my brain to listen to the arc of the story <laughs> and to try to solve the puzzles. And I just ended up standing there and listening to it. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that the subtitles uh, show up in a large block that covers about a quarter of the screen. And sometimes it was covering stuff that I needed to see. It covered a gym once and I had to go all the way back to the beginning to find it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this is a this is a failing of the game that I think is – because there was a re- he had a really interesting idea and it didn't work. Like um, I read an interview from fairly early in the development process uh, where one of the things he talked about was that he was envisioning the storytelling technique here as something similar to like the walk and talks on the West Wing. Like that he wanted to tell the story through this dialogue that these characters were having sort of lightly having while they were doing other things. So, you know, the, and which sounds like a really good idea, right? Like it sounds like a great idea to be like, well, I am stealthily playing through these stealth levels. And while doing that, I'm having a chat with the AI that runs the, uh, runs the whole business. And I, I think it sounds like a really great idea. And it doesn't work. Like it, it certainly didn't work for me. And it sounds like it didn't work for you guys either. Like I, I did exactly the same you guys did. I, when it came to the dialogue, I would stop playing the level so that I didn't get caught because I was distracted by the dialogue or so that I didn't miss dialogue because I was distracted by trying not to get caught. And in the end, I would have really even rather that they did this in a much more conventional way and just do cutscenes in between the levels when it made sense. But I guess, you know, I, it, it's a really ambitious, interesting idea that I just don't think worked. Yeah, and, and it doesn't feel important to the overall story. I mean, it is, the flavor is, you know, story is definitely secondary to mechanics and style. Yeah. And we were expecting a different hierarchy. 
Yeah, I was expecting more story, less gameplay. And what I got was a lot of fun gameplay and not a lot of story, or at least the story didn't quite work for me so well. The other thing that's really interesting about the way he was trying to deliver this this dialogue sort of throughout the level was that I, I think it was really going for this Twitch streamer banter style, like that he's playing through these levels, he's actively doing something, and in the same at the same time, he's chatting with somebody else. It feels like it's deliberately sort of deliberately sort of in imitation of the sort of banter that you see when people are talking over a let's play or um, talking uh, while they're doing a Twitch stream. It really, and I think that's, you know, even more obvious that he's going for that based on casting this guy, uh, Charlie McDonald. It really clearly seems to be trying for this commentary on streamer culture that I don't know what he's trying to say about it exactly, but I don't really think it worked as a storytelling style here. But I see what he's going for. I, I commend yeah, him for I, trying I saw something it too, new. And I think I think it would have been a, a a nice opportunity to have more commentary on exactly what was going on in the levels, which yeah. I didn't feel like was always was 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 present very often. Never, never. In fact, actually, there is zero connection between the dialogue that's being spoken and the content of the levels um, to the point where you can play. Uh, you can play non-story levels, like you can play um, level, it, it only cues that, that dialogue based on the percentage completion that you have, and even then it seems to be a little, like, it doesn't matter exactly when it happens. Um, so dialogue doesn't necessarily happen on the same level. For example, if I'm in the middle of a dialogue sequence and I finish a level and move on to the next level, the dialogue yeah. will continue where it left off. So the dialogue and the gameplay are completely disconnected, which is totally different from something like Thomas Was Alone, where what we were getting was dialogue about the characters overcoming obstacles as they overcame them. Like the dialogue and the gameplay were really closely linked. Yeah, and the characters were mixed with the avatar, were mixed with the, um, the environment. Thomas Alone was a very integrated game. Um, here mm. there's a lot of integrated mechanics, but the story is not as, I mean, even all the levels you're going through, other than a little bit of flavor text about what the actual environment would be like, it doesn't relate to the level you're playing. Like yeah. knowing that you're in a gym yeah. doesn't mean that you're going to see something, a floor layout that maps to a gin. It's mm -hmm. actually a Pac-Man layout, which I loved, but <laughs> but um, it's not tied together. Yeah, that was the biggest challenge for me. I, I, I think for me, the story... Reagan, you're kind of dogging on the story a little bit. The story was working pretty well for me. I, it was carrying me along, and it was my favorite aspect of the game. Um, I love the characters, and I, I did like the the you know I'm I'm a sucker for dystopian stuff. I'm a sucker for anything with AI as a theme, uh, and the idea of a kind of a Robin Hood. Uh, in a future dystopia is a really cool idea to me. I would watch that as a movie. Uh, and I basically was was listening to it as a podcast while I was playing Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I really, the copywriting is great. The Every character has a very distinct personality that's not reliant on the voice actors. The voice actors are great, but the word choice for each character is unique. Um, and that's a level of detail in the writing that doesn't go through to most games. I think the issue is what we got was intriguing and we got it so sparingly that you felt like dis you felt disappointed because you wanted more. I, that's really the case for me. Like I, I think 
spreading the amount of dialogue that they had had here out over a hundred levels. Um, particularly if you're not playing through those levels at a breakneck pace, you know, I, I was taking my time somewhat. Um, I would have, it was just, it was just spread a little thin. I would have loved a lot more depth to the characters and the story and a lot more detail and a lot more backstory. I wanted more. You're right, Shane. I was being a little harsh on the story. Um, it's a pretty good story. It's just not quite as great as Thomas Was Alone, which is where my bar got set to here. And that's unfair of me, really. I, I know that because, you know, Thomas Was Alone was an almost unbelievably great piece of game writing. Um, and it's hard to sort of expect someone to sort of hit that kind of home run twice in a row. And here he did a really competent job and made a game that is incredibly fun to play. I like the, the, the gameplay of this quite a bit. So overall, I would say this game is really fun, really worth your time. Um, and considering that you can probably complete it in about six hours, which is how long it took me, um, I would say it's absolutely worth picking up. Uh, you can get this game on Steam. It is available for Mac, PC, and Linux on Steam for 20 bucks. Uh, and it's also available on the PlayStation 4 and will soon be available on the PS Vita. In fact, they had originally planned for it to launch on the PS Vita alongside the PS4 version. It's going to be a cross-play thing. Um, but uh, right now, it's only available on the PS4. You'll get a Vita version if you buy that version as well. Um, or, you know, it com comes together. They're, they're a single purchase. That's also 20 bucks. I really felt like it was a totally worthwhile game to play. Agreed, especially if you like stealth. If you like stealth, why did you listen to all this? Just go yep. download the game. Absolutely. Yeah, if it's the uh, it's the most fun I've had in a sort of a classic sneak 'em up uh, in a long time, and it's got that kind of retro feel. And if you if you really miss those old school stealth games, then you're you're going to really like this. But uh, it is sort of a shame that it came out the same week as, um, well, it came or out within a couple of weeks of the of the newest Metal Gear Solid, because I think that <laughs> the people that are that are nostalgic about the old Metal Gear Solid games are going to be the the key audience for this, and and they're all going to have something better to do. Well, I think that's not necessarily true. Um, you know, this is the short game. The new Metal Gear Solid is an enormous game, probably uh, dozens and dozens of hours, maybe hundreds, depending on how you play, with a gigantic open world, etc., etc., etc. And um, this is a game that is broken up into tiny, more or less five-minute bites that you can pick up and, and play and complete. I'm really looking forward to this coming out on the Vita, even though I've already finished it, because it has that online uh, level sharing component and it's so easy to pick up and play just one level at a time. I'm really looking forward to picking up and playing a level or two of this while I'm, you know, sitting on the couch with nothing to do or probably even like standing in line at a bank. This would be a game I could pick up and play a single level of on something like the Vita. And, uh, Pretend you're robbing the bank. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you so, have to stand in line at your bank. Uh, actually, no. I do all of my banking online. That was that was really a. Um, you were trying to be like the common people. I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I never stand in line. Nowhere. I was like, you know, they have that on your phone now. <laughs> no, they know me there. You understand? I don't stand in line. So I'm curious what else people have been playing this week. 
Well, I've actually had a pretty busy week of games this week. Um, one thing I should probably mention here that I was really excited about was I was I was pretty into volume and I was a little sad when I finished it and uh, I hadn't found any good levels to continue playing the um, the uh, online you know sharing levels for whatever reason that doesn't seem to be working on my PlayStation 4 I'm hoping that it, when the update comes out it, it fixes it but right now when I try it just spins for a while and gives me a network error and I can't pull up any online levels. I seem to be the only person having that problem. Not sure what's all what's going on there. But anyway, I thought I want some more stealth. And uh, I happened to notice that the marvelous Miss Take, that's Miss M-I-S-S Take, T-A-K-E. The marvelous Miss Take happened to be on sale on the Humble Store. And so I picked that up, which is something that I've been meaning to play as a possibility of something we might feature on the show for a while. And actually what's weird is that this game and that game are so so similar. They're both isometric, um, you know, stealth games. You're playing through small contained levels inhabited by a bunch of guards, but, uh, and you're trying to grab some little, you know, things in, in this, it's actually little pieces of art, but, um, it does a few things a little differently from this game. And if you're into stealth and want something a little different from volume, if volume doesn't seem like it's quite going to be for you, um, the Marvelous Mistake is much, much lighter in tone. The graphics are very colorful and cute and cartoony. It reminds me a little bit of something like a, a 1960s cartoon. Uh, it's a little bit uh, Pink Panthery. Uh, great soundtrack, kind of peppy jazz. And uh, the lead character, uh, the eponymous Mistake. Is that the right word, usage of the word eponymous? I think that's right. Yep. Yes. Yes, good. Okay, I know my words. Well done. Thank Gold you. star. Eponymous. You I used it. it in a sentence. Uh, the eponymous Mistake. She is... Uh, um, she is adorable. She's like a, a sort of uh, Carmen Sandiego looking uh, redhead in a little uh, like black bandit mask. And uh, she's had her uh, inheritance, a bunch of art stolen from her, and it's been sold to a bunch of rich people. And she has to break into all of those rich people's homes and steal all of her art back. Um, and it plays a lot like volume. But it's done entirely with keyboard, excuse me, with a, with a mouse clicking kind of mechanic. Like the, the controls are, are a little streamlined and a little uh, little simpler. Um, and there's a few choices that they've made that I think are, are interesting and give it a really different feel in some ways. The big one is that the guards are much more randomized. So in, uh, in volume, the guards would move back and forth along their little patrol uh, route. They would just follow the route back and forth, back and forth. They were very predictable, which led to the game having a lot of puzzle gamey kind of feel to it because you had to observe how the guards behaved. And if you did the same thing in each circumstance, the guards would do exactly the same thing in that circumstance as well. Like it was very predictable. Here, the guards are a little more random. The guards will wander around the level. And uh, you have to do a lot more of sort of um, leading the guards around in order to, to achieve your objectives because it's there's less randomization. You have to do a lot more to control where the guards are going to be. Um, so it's a lot of fun, and I totally recommend it. I've only played about 25% of the game so far, but um, if you liked this or if you like the idea of this and want something a little different, uh, that's on Steam. It's also pretty cheap. I found it on the Humble Store. for They were doing it as a part of actually one of the bundles, um, but it's probably over by the time you hear this. But it's a, it's a, it's on sale frequently, and it's, um, it's a pretty neat game. Um, I also played a game that I am, I think that the uh, listeners of this show might be really interested in, and I want to do, I want to do something a little lengthier on this, but I'm not sure what format that's going to take. I played Until Dawn on the PlayStation 4. 
Um, yeah, I'm very excited to play this game myself. Yeah, it's really cool. And um, logistically, it might be a little tricky for us to do an episode on it because it's PlayStation 4 only. And it's a $60 game. Um, and so it's a little tricky for us to just all run out and purchase a copy simultaneously. So it, it may be something that you might have to wait a little while for the short game to do an episode on this game. But I have to say, if you are somebody who likes the kind of games that we like, you should play Until Dawn. It uh, it takes the mechanics and the you know storytelling style of games like Telltale's The Walking Dead and Life is Strange, and it uses those to tell a sort of six or seven hour um, horror movie story that is a really like just as a horror movie it's pretty solid it's a it's a pretty good scary movie story a bunch of teens go up to a house on a mountain and they just have a great party and everybody goes home happy and, <laughs> and everything's great and one of them gets pregnant and it's the worst no um it's it's Aww. very uh it's very classic horror movie tropes on display but all of the voice acting is really good the graphics are phenomenal like that's actually the biggest mystery to me about until dawn it's gorgeous. It's amazingly good looking. It's the first AAA game by this company, Supermassive Games. Um, and it's been in development for a really long time. Uh, like it started out as a PlayStation Move game for the PlayStation 3. And, uh, you know, PlayStation Move was a great big failure and no one bought the stuff for it. And so it's, it's gone. Um, so they managed to pivot that into a PlayStation 4 game, it does use some motion controls with the controller, but not much. From from what I understand, it's basically Night Trap. Is that true? No, no, no. It's um, <laughs> it's much more complex than Night Trap. Um, but it's uh, it's got a really cool branching narrative. There's several endings depending on who lives and who dies. Every character has multiple ways that they could die, these incredibly grisly, gruesome deaths. But also, it's just, it's a... It's really neat. Like, I can't believe they got away with making this high of a budget game that is in this gameplay style. Like, it's like somebody gave Telltale an unlimited budget to make the most beautiful game they could possibly make. Mm. It's weird that they were able to make this game. And I hope they make a ton of money at it. I I fear that it's probably priced above what most people are willing to pay for a game like this like it is only about six or eight hours i intend to play through it multiple times to try to get all the endings but um i think a lot of folks are probably not going to do that and might see this as a a bit of a value problem like it i i I, you know you guys all know my perspective on that i pre-ordered the thing at 60 dollars. i was like i don't care if it takes me four hours to complete i know this is going to be up my alley but like i do see that that could be an issue for some folks um so i i fear they may have trouble you know, really, like it. It you. This game looks expensive, so I don't know if they're going to make a lot of money on it. But I really hope that they do because I want to see more stuff like this. Yeah, I'm super excited to play that game. I'm going to steal it from you as soon as I can, uh, or probably buy it myself. We'll see. Uh, just depending when I come out and visit you in October, I'm I'm probably going to try and sneak it home in my luggage. We'll see at that point if you've finished enough of it. Oh yeah, I, I'll uh, probably uh, I'll probably finish yeah. it. Um, I have just not had enough time to play that many games lately, so I've been I've been squeezing in the ones that I could, um, and that means that I pl- I've been playing a lot of uh, the games that we've talked about before, Endless Runners, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's Race the Sun is now out on the iPhone, and I'm enjoying it Amazing. all over again in a new context. Um, so uh, you guys have already heard all the good things I have to say about that game. Um, and then there's that new Pac-Man game, which I don't know if we've discussed in, in detail. I can't remember if that's been talked about on the show or not. Pac-Man 256. Oh, I, I, I briefly talked about it last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, perfect. that's, an, that's another one. And and then the third that has been kind of, I've been in fits and starts playing this. I've had for a long time, uh, because it came out for free as part of PlayStation plus, but it's Ollie Ollie Two. welcome to Hollywood. The skateboarding game. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I would describe it as an endless runner. It's more of a skateboarding game than it is an endless runner. Uh, And it's not really endless because it has very defined routes. So maybe endless runner is not a good uh, categorization for this game. It's clearly taken a little bit of inspiration from that genre, though. It is is side-scrolling and, Mm -hmm. yeah, two-dimensional. Yeah, it's it's a combination of a a side-scrolling platformer with a skateboarding game. And the thing about this game... The first time I played it, I basically rage quit it after about an hour. And what I found out coming back to it was the biggest reason that I couldn't play the game was that uh, my TV, my old TV, had just a few milliseconds too much lag (laughs) for me to be able to actually play the game well, uh, Mm. which has turned out to be something that on my new TV has helped me in every single video game that I play is getting rid of that input lag. But coming back to this game after, after that time and being able to kind of put a little bit more time into it, there's just a lot going on in this game. It's a really great skateboarding game. I, I don't think I've played a skateboarding or snowboarding, et cetera, game that I've liked this much since SSX tricky all the way back on what was that PlayStation two. So uh, yeah, I, I'm really, really digging it. I'm probably about uh, two thirds of the way through all the all the levels, uh, and wow. I'm not going through and five starring them all. But I am, I am, I'm trying not to go on to the next level until I've gotten at least three out of the five stars. Hmm. And uh, I'm really digging it. I'm gonna have to give that another shot. I've heard a lot of people rage rave about that, and um, I I gave it a shot. A, a while back and I think I bounced off it for maybe similar reasons that you did. I should try it on the Vita because that would eliminate the input lag. Yeah, I think it would be a great game to play on the Vita. It's a it's really interesting set of inputs and stuff. It it has a different control scheme than any skateboarding game I've ever played. Laura, what have you been up to lately? Well, last weekend I went to kind of indie game Nirvana, um Bitbash in Chicago. Um, oh, man, I saw your photos from that. I was so impressed. <laughs> I took a ton of them. I've never so, been so jealous. Uh, Bitbash is, was in the Threadless Warehouse, um, the t-shirt company. Hmm. And um, I played 32 games in four and a half hours. I think it was just awesome. There were a lot of projectors, tons of hardware, tons of consoles. Um, there were some games you can't play anywhere else. There were things like... Um, there was a game in a briefcase called Afterglow where um, you had a old rotary dial telephone and you had kind of a telescope or, you know, toilet paper tube, whichever you want to call it, PVC pipe. And you'd look down that and you'd see lights light up and you would dial where you thought that the light was to try to hit things going through. I saw your your photo of this game and I, I was like... Very intrigued. It's like a crazy combination of a of a video game with a, like a hacked together physical object, and it's a really coolly crafted object. 
It's yeah. There's a bunch of signs. It's like be gentle. It's made of junk, um, <laughs> which like makes me love it ten times more. And it was also next to another game um, called Choosatron, which is a choose your own adventure short story generator that it's built into a a little wooden block that prints a receipt of the story as you choose it. So at the end of your adventure, when you die or complete your adventure, you can tear it off. That is brilliant. Um, and keep it. And which is wonderful. So I have you know little mementos of my time with the Chusatron, which oh, just gives. Total, that's a total. Uh, I've I had the idea a long time ago to to take one of those little mini computers and a uh, and a receipt printer and make a uh, uh, interactive fiction machine that that printed on uh, on receipt paper, but. But Damn, you didn't do it, though, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> so, and it's not so. the same story every time, too. It's completely randomized stories. Oh, wow. And, you know, four little buttons. Um, wonderful. Um, you can even, The first thing you do is actually choose one of four stories. And I thought it would just have four, but my four were completely different from Justin's four. So, wow. Oh, wow. I don't know how many machines it's programmed with, but how many stories it's programmed with, rather. But it was great. Um on games you actually could play, a lot of things that were in demo mode or kind of in beta stage made it over. Um, you know, lots of games I had seen kind of in the wilderness. But the things I enjoyed the most were, on the whole, either, you know, the party games that played really well in that environment. There's a game called Elbow Room that can be up to 100 players. Wow. And everyone just grabs a key on the keyboard. And um, it's like kind of a... Pass the bomb, big booty, you know, kind of like a game you'd play in physical land where you tap once to pass it on and you tap twice to reverse direction and you just keep going around a circle until you get people out. If you mess up more than twice, you get kicked out. Hmm. And it's really fun because there's like 100 people around the keyboard or, you know, in our case, like 30 and everyone's trying to go. People are bumping each other, trying to game the system. Hmm. A great little party game. Uh, there's also um, a game called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, which <laughs> is being released on Oculus Rift and going to come out on PC. It is a game where one person can see a bomb and the other person who doesn't have the Rift on or the PC um, access has the manual. Huh. And the manual is very complicated. So you oh. all you have is you can see the bomb and you can describe it to your partner and they have to tell you what to do to defuse it. Oh, that that sounds vaguely, I mean, not really, but it sounds a bit like, um, oh, geez, what was that great iPhone game? Um, space Friends? Space? Something like that? I'm blanking it. it it's um, Space... Launch? Launch something? I'm like Space Jam. What is Hold it? on. <laughs> space Jam. Space Jam. <laughs> I'm, I'm Googling it. Hang on. Space uh, Wars. Google. No. Uh, um, what is space it? Space iPhone sh- game. Sh- shovel space. Where I have this. I've played this a ton. Tell your friends to flip switches. Push buttons. I have it on my phone. Um, yeah, I've played it a ton. I can't think of it. So, oh my god! I googled the phrase "iPhone game" where you tell your friends to flip switches in space, and the first result was "Space Team" on the App Store. Space. It's Space yep. Team. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, That's Google. The game that was amazing. <laughs> yes, keep talking and nobody explodes. It's a lot like Space Team, which is a yeah. great iPhone game. If you haven't played it, you should download it. Yeah, but the thing is, keep talking and nobody explodes. You have like three minutes, and the 
The hard thing is in Space Team, you're just shouting commands and someone else is doing it. In this case, there's actually some really complicated logic puzzles happening um, on the side of the person who has the manual. Hmm. Um, We watched a couple people play and some kids did it. And the funny thing is, you know, a lot of it's if there are three wires and none of them are red, then cut the last one. But if there are white wires, then look at the bottom of the box. And if there are two batteries, you know, a lot of wow, kind yeah. of chain of commands. And so it was really interesting watching if people were sharing that information with the diffuser or if they were just solving it and telling people the answer. Huh. Um, I, it was really entertaining. I We played a demo that only had three possible... Um, modules but looking at the full manual there's probably like 15 different modules that could be on it wow you're restricted to wires kind of like a icon switch game and then a big button but there were a ton of different things including like you know they look like they involve calculus they probably don't but um i can't wait till that comes out um it will be a relationship ender or you'll get to be really cocky and feel like you're great um the other two games, not party games, ones that you can play with no one but yourself that are amazing looking, uh, Downwell, Endless Faller, with hmm. a lot of Castlevania elements. It has Weird. an incredible webpage. Um, if you go to the I'll Downwell to webpage, you can scroll down through the page and get a feeling of what the level design would be. And the other one is Thumper, which they had in a weird trailer outside that looked like a Colt van and we walked in and it was pitch black except for a TV screen and everyone was silent and listening to this thumping bass line um, which normally would tell me to head for the hills but it's a fantastic looking rhythm violence game and they call it a rhythm violence game because you're beating you're shooting bosses um, when you are properly enacting the rhythm game you get that um, haptic vibration in your controller Um, And it feels like you're in a very intense solo EDM mission to, you know, kill very hallucinogenic monsters. (laughs) It's hard to describe, but um, I can't wait for this to come out. It's 2016, and that's probably the game that I played and was like, this is going to be me on the couch at 3 a.m. not going to sleep. Wow, damn. I can't wait to play some of these, and... um... I I really want to go to that event if I can some year. And um, thanks to our listeners for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, If you are interested in links to anything we discussed, including I'll try my best to link to all of the cool games that Laura just mentioned, you can find our show notes at www.theshortgame.net, where you can also find a feedback form to let us know what you think. Uh, You can also find our show on Twitter. We are at underscore shortgame. And uh, I've been your host, Reagan Kelly. You can find me at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm over on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us again on this episode of The Short Game.